We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranjus McBasketball. And today, Tim, we are going to do a little bit of a, a Austin Reeves World Cup date. We're going to dive into the schedule, but for today, at least for this segment, it's the Austin Reeves Exceptionalism Program. How are you doing tonight, man? Oh, man, I'm doing great. We are getting closer to football season. Football weather's here in Texas, Tom. I don't know if you knew this. It, the weather's only two digits now. It, it used usually three, and now it's only two digits. But even though it's cooling down here, it is cooling down on the court for Austin Reeves. It has been such a blast watching him and the squad do well, 2-0 and thus far in the games that matter. And, uh, yeah, man, lots of, lots of good stuff to talk about today. <laughs> Sorry about that. Didn't mean to derail you. I just want people to enjoy this uh, this lovely thumbnail. We will be posting this uh, to YouTube. Just wanted to give the people and play back the chance first to see it, and we'll be sharing that with the world. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's been really fun. <laughs> Congrats on you know not melting out there, and uh, hopefully you know gives you a little bit more brain power to to dive into this World Cup stuff. Oh yeah, yep. Staying inside. Uh, I'm not going in the you know. 8,000 gallon hot tub or whatever, whatever my pool is these days uh, that I have to refill every week because it just melt or doesn't melt. It evaporates. Uh, don't, that's just, <laughs> yeah, dude, don't, that sounds don't. miserable, but uh, well, today, Tim, let's dive straight into the World Cup. Uh, Austin, as we've covered in a couple pods before, it's been doing great kind of like building in his role, getting more minutes. Uh, I think you know, that first uh, official group stage game, he was third in minutes. Uh, and this last game against Greece, you know, early, early this morning, he didn't have as many minutes because it was kind of, you know, it was kind of a blowout, Tim. I'm so sorry for, you know, your background, but, you know, the, the USA treated Greece like they were the Romans this time. Mm, yeah, it it was tight early. And uh, for those who woke up early enough to watch it, 
you know, some nervous moments super early in the game, but Reeves checked in, the rest of the bench checked in, and they they took over. And, and USA ended up beating down Greece today. Greece now still does have an opportunity. If they beat New Zealand, they can still have a chance to advance, I believe. But uh, yeah, not not great for my ancestors, but I'm pretty happy as a Lakers fan. And <laughs> something I'm glad you called out the minutes thing. Like only eighth in minutes today. He was he was sixth in minutes at halftime. Uh, I think it has to do with with like the quality of the competition and, and the closeness of the game. Because he was eighth in minutes against Greece in the showcase game like a week or two ago. And then against Germany, things were a little tighter. He went up to fifth in minutes. Against New Zealand in the first of these real games, he was third in minutes when, when you know they really did you know get pushed a little bit. So things were moving up and up and up. Went down a little bit, but that certainly did not hold down his production, which I think is still a really, really encouraging sign. And he definitely does seem like one of the guys that the team will lean on when the going gets tough. So I'm not all that worried about him not playing as much in a blowout game, but he still gave us some really great moments when he was out there. And it's it's hard to be upside as a Lakers fan. Yeah, I think he did. He got player of the game officially, uh, got that nice little trophy, which is awesome for him. I'm sure that's going to be a memory for him for a long time to come. But he was also, you know, he led the team in scoring uh, 1.3 points per possession. I think he had like 13, five and six and two steals. And yeah, he's he's making some of those defensive playmaking, you know, plays, Tim. He's getting strips. He's he's uh, he's guarding up in the post, bodying guys. It's been it's been awesome, man. I'm not sure what more they could ask from him if they could. But uh, it's been it's been awesome to see. Yeah, he's led the team in assists two games in a row. Like the oh, wow. two real they've played. Yeah. And he's been third and eighth in minutes. He led the team in assists. He led the team in scoring this game. He was up there last game. He's been super efficient while doing so. And the foul drawing, I think, is something that it, it's translated. It's not, you know, oh, just the NBA refs. No, he's drawn fouls. He's putting defenders in really tough positions and he's so smart about you know getting that contact and still putting shots up and I, I've been really pleased like it's been a lot of stuff we're familiar with mixed in with like to your point the the boxing out the fighting in the post you had some clips of that in the video we just watched those are elements that I think translate to what we think the Lakers defense might be this upcoming season schematically a little bit more than it was last year and he was one of those couple guys that it, it still kind of is TBD like how well will he do in a switching scheme and this makes me more and more confident in that and He's had three steals and then two steals the past two games. So if he checks the box from a uh, defensive playmaking standpoint, he ups his game. If he ups his game in terms of his like on-ball reps and the playmaking, which he's certainly done, he ups his game in terms of how he fits within a switch scheme. I, this is an absolutely, you know, just super successful opportunity for him. And it makes me really, really excited for this upcoming year just for what he's been able to do. And we're seeing growth, even though he's already been such a good player. Yeah. His, you know, we talked to before on the, on the pods about his release, his three point shot, I guess, have you seen anything in with more data, more, you know, sample of him? And I guess, you know, I, was, I saw a kind of conversation with you on Twitter as well about you know, people just assume somebody who's shooting like 40% can't grow and can't improve. You're kind of at the ceiling of what most players do. And, with more volume, which we could expect over the next season, you might expect, I mean, I could argue with more volume, a steady percentage is growth. So is it volume of growth? Is it, you know, the kinds of shots I have seen him take some off the dribble shots, but it's more of like 
one dribble, not really a full pick and roll, kind of a side, you know, handoff situation, but that's still kind of more pull up action. Yeah, I, I think there's still a, like a TBD when it comes to like pick and roll, pull up three point shooting. That's still something we're looking to see. But yeah, I, I would say that with a larger sample of watching him get shots up, that quick release appears to be a thing. And hey, he's able to get the same types of shots up. That's a lot of catching and shooting or catch, dribble, pull up, which, you know, technically pull up shots, but it's a lot of, it's not necessarily self creating, it's more finishing plays. But if you can get shots up quicker, you're going to be open more. And if you're open more, you should shoot better. And and that's really nice. And that means that you're going to be able to get more shots up than you otherwise would. And on the the, the conversation of like, hey, can he grow as a shooter? 40% as a three-point shooter, that's really, really good. He might be close to the ceiling from a percentage standpoint, but that doesn't necessarily mean from a talent standpoint and an effectiveness or an impact standpoint with his three-point shooting, he's hit that ceiling. I think those are different conversations. And we could see a really successful year for him look like a you know the same percentage or maybe even a little bit worse if he's able to get a lot more shots up. And it, you, you, to your question, is it volume? Is it types of shots? I think those go hand in hand. Like if you're going to get more threes up, the more threes you're taking – the harder they're probably going to be. For you to get that extra shot up the game, you're taking shots that maybe another guy wouldn't take because he's not as comfortable with. Or, hey, your shot's a little bit quicker, so you're right. able to still be comfortable with it. So, Hey, bail the, us the, out, the quick right? Run. It's short shot clock, and you're one of the guys now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think you know he shot 40% this year on A-minus shot quality on his threes compared to all players this past season. If you can shoot 40% or 39% on like – C plus quality three pointers that tells me like his three point shot making will go up even more. And that'll be okay. He's able to do the off ball thing. He's also adding the on ball game. Maybe he's adding some of that pick and roll shooting, which would change how teams need to defend him in ball screens, which to me as a scheme guy, that does a lot for you. But even if not that, and it's just the movement shooting and he's more comfortable coming off motion or more contested, yeah, I, I definitely think we can see growth. He, he's peaked or, and he's, or he's in his peak or certain elements of him might be peaking while others are still growing. Like, I think there's an athletic peak that we reach as, as players. And then there's also like a skill peak kind of separately and an IQ peak that's a little separate. And there are elements of your game that continue growing for longer than other ones will. Like maybe he's not going to be able to jump as high two years from now than he can right now. But and, and I'm, I mean, he's at an age where he probably won't decline that much, but the, the skill growth can certainly still improve. So don't don't say that he's like he's not a prospect, but that doesn't mean he can't improve. And those little things can make a big difference. Yeah. It's a different kind of struggle, right? Because it's he's still going to be expected to defend at a high level and be a big part of that. But I presume he'll be more involved with the offense. So uh, speaking of offense, Tim, is this this is another good one. If you were to rank Austin as a as the blank best 1v1 player on the Team USA right now, where would you put him? And there's a bit of a loaded question because you might say, oh, man, he, he hasn't done it as much in the NBA or, or these guys like Ant, you know, Edwards or Brandon Ingram or even somebody like Jalen Brunson. They have so much more responsibility in the offense. Uh, but on this team right now, it's hard to see someone who's – I think he is the most efficient in a 1v1 scoring situation. So does that mean he's the best, do you think? Or what? where would you rank him on that scale? 
That's a tough question. I think right now in these games, he's been the most effective. I don't know that he has the quite the most volume. I think Ant's got a lot more shots up and he's been a little hit or miss with some of those where like some games it's like, holy crap, Ant's hitting everything. Other games, not as much. Whereas Reeves has game after game. This is part of his game. It's not usually he's an off ball guy and then sometimes he's able to get his own. A big portion of his points Seemingly every game with this USA team are him attack the dribble and he's been uber efficient basically every single game while doing so. So he's got to be one of the top tier guys. He looks more fluid than he was this past regular season. He's so under control. We talked about stacking moves and him just thinking ahead on a previous podcast. And we're seeing more and more of that with like the kind of like swing, like hang dribble into the crossover. He gets guys left and right. He had like a sick behind the back move today. Like he's so under control and the handle is getting better. And I think he's got to be top three on this team. And I'd say he's probably been the most effective 1v1 player on the team thus far. But I think safely, I would say he's like top three 1v1 talent. Though you can look back at this past record of the season, look at our B-Ball Index database and see that he did rank highest of any of these players when it came to oh. his self-created shot making, which surprised me. I wasn't sure. I didn't know yeah. it was that high. I knew it was good. Didn't realize yeah. it was quite that high. The thing is, his volume in the regular season wasn't quite as much there as some of these right. guys. Like, And that's a big piece of, I think, effectiveness. Like, You could be really good, but if you don't do it as much, I don't do I trust it as much as these other guys that are, have been a little bit less effective, but doing it way, way more. Like, he had like 0.3 ISO possessions per game this past season, I think, for perimeter isolations. And other guys had like seven or eight a game. So there's a lot of room for growth. And I think this could be another area he breaks out. But right now, today, currently, in these games, he's played like a top two guy. Like, who who would you have ahead of him? I. On the, in these games, I don't think anyone, you know, the way FIBA's kind of officiated, he's been so good at drawing contact, too, that it, you know, Ant obviously kind of saved their bacon in that fourth quarter against Germany. Um, mm. I'm not sure if Austin could quite have gotten to that level as far as, you know, taking over in the fourth. I'm not saying he can't, but so I, I still think probably two. And obviously Kerr has come out and said that, that Ant is kind of the guy with uh, without question on this team, but yeah, man, it's it, the the moon is the ceiling for this guy. Like this, he keeps on getting the hype and he keeps performing, and it's 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 really fun to watch too. It's just a good basketball player, like really mm-hmm. just fundamental, makes the right play, um, and he's growing on defense. Is you know his pick and roll has looked so good. It's yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about what I've seen from even cutting the video from today, you know? Yeah. It's a fun intersection of like, this is a guy who makes the right play all moves he has and drawing fouls and finishing through contact and all the you know, flashy passing and all this great stuff. So he's played really well. I am curious what the team USA coaching staff is thinking from a, you know, do we need to play him more? Is he a guy that we consider moving to the starting lineup? Something that's been a theme and today it wasn't as bad, but we've seen USA start slow against some of the tougher opponents. Against Greece in the showcase game, when Reeves first checked into the game, they were up 10. Uh, today, they were up four when he checked in. But against Germany and against New Zealand, who are better teams than Greece, 
by the time the second unit came in, they were down one in the Germany game and they were down seven in the New Zealand game. So against better teams, the starters haven't quite been winning their minutes. I wonder if as, you know, we get into single elimination time, especially with this game against Jordan upcoming where it's, you know, it's an experimentation game. Do you try out some different things, see if it clicks, and then you bring that into the knockout round or not? I have to. I don't know if they'll do it, but I have to imagine that's something that uh, Steve Kerr and the rest of this coaching staff are considering. Yeah, ultimately, do you think they'll take someone like a Brandon Ingram who's been struggling out of the starting lineup or in more conservative with those adjustments? I would say in the game against Jordan, that's the time to try it. And maybe it works and maybe you found something. Maybe it doesn't work. So I'm sure they've tried out different combos in practice. I really, really like the Reese Halliburton duo, which we can talk about today or another time. And I think we'll continue talking about he's clearly struggling. And it's not just that he's not making his shots. He's he's over the past four games, he's hit six shots, he's missed 13 shots, and he has seven turnovers. He just doesn't seem to have much rhythm or he doesn't seem to fit as well. And I wonder if maybe less minutes or maybe him not starting or maybe just him playing next to a Reeves or a Halliburton helps just feed him a little bit more, put him in better situations where he can play with more rhythm. That starting unit seems starting unit seems to have a bit less flow. It's a bit more stagnant. And maybe if you break up Reeves and Halliburton, you're able to just kind of spread the love a little bit. Because uh, Brunson's an incredible scorer. He's not quite the same tier of passer as some of these other point guards and, and guards on this team. So that would be, I would, for this Jordan game, yeah, I would flip Reeves and Ingram, move Ant up a position, and see if that adds some flow to the starting unit, and then see if Ingram can thrive a bit off the bench with Halliburton. And I don't think you want to run hockey lineups. I still want to see Reeves and Halliburton play, and maybe Halliburton get a a shot with the starting group. But uh, I, I do think it's time to try some different things. Yeah, it'll be a good chance. They're already clinched. Um, really interesting. France got booted. So mm-hmm. it's another big, you know, big team. China didn't make it. Um, not quite on the level of France, but some big com- countries with uh, a lot of invested in basketball. I haven't quite got this far. It's, it's what happens, like what you were worried about, right? All you got to do is lose two games in those first three and you're out. Yeah, th- it's. Only three games. You do not have much margin for error at all. I watched that game where France lost to, uh, who was it? Uh, Latvia. Latvia, not Slovenia. And Latvia was just hitting all their threes. Both of the Bertans brothers were going off. And they were, I mean, it was a fun game for sure. Fournier had some really nice plays. Gobert wasn't playing well. And then at the very end of the game played pretty well. Uh, Mustafa Fall had a nice uh, couple stints, but yeah, it's you, it just takes you know an off shooting day or the other team having a, a really on shooting day. And with some of these teams that are lean heavily, leaning heavily on threes, you know, there's more volatility in a single elimination tournament. Once we get to the knockout stages, like you can go on a run, and so you know, it, you, you want to be at the point as bringing this back to Team USA, you don't want to be struggling to beat teams. You want to blow everybody out. And make it so even if they do shoot 40% on their threes and we shoot 25% on our threes, doesn't matter. That's that's the buffer you want to build in for yourself. And that's why you, even though you're winning, and in a lot of these games you're winning big, you still want to try things out and see if you can find any little extra edge because there's it's not a seven-game series. You gotta win every game just about after this this upcoming game. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, lots to talk about. We'll continue to talk about more uh, World Cup as stuff happens, possibly We'll try to figure out a stream if there's not a but crazy. I don't know. We probably won't, but we'll continue to cover it on the pod at least. But for the rest of the pod, Tim, we're going to discuss the schedule breakdown. So we were talking a little bit this weekend about it and just trying to you know figure out what more content we could do. And the schedule came out a couple weeks ago, and I found it really interesting because there's a lot of... Uh, we talk about like schedule losses, right? Things that you can look at ahead of time. I'm sure coaches already kind of breaking it down in terms of uh, how to scout and how to plan things, you know, ahead. But I guess, uh, you know, last year we started so slowly that they spent the rest of the season digging themselves out of it. Now, granted, this roster is much improved, but they're going to have a lot of tests, Tim. They have one of the toughest strengths of schedule. So what we can do is I don't know if you want to stream. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Uh, we got this fancy website here that kind of ranks all the strength of schedule. And uh, I guess just starting off fourth toughest strength of schedule, this will change obviously as the, you know, records for this year are updated, but they, they're in you know, the toughest division in basketball probably right now with the, the Suns, the warriors, the Kings, I guess, uh, do you have any concerns that they're going to start off slow like last season? I do. And I think this team is better and they're better set up to play well. And there's some continuity from last year's team to this year's team. There's still a couple of key pieces that have changed, but we might see the team. I I think whatever starting lineup they throw out there, it's probably going to be five guys who were on the roster last year. And I think that you know, that stability helps them. Uh, and, you know, you could debate Rui or Vando starting. Uh, either way, those are guys that were on the team last year. So there were, there have been pieces that have been moved around in terms of depth. And those guys might be able to fight for and win starting jobs eventually. But I think they're in a better place to open things up. But as we get into this app here, I'll, I'll show you. The team does have a pretty difficult strength of schedule. 
um, and even early in the season. So we see here, this is the yep. Positive Residual uh, calendar app. Go to positiveresidual.com slash shiny slash NBA. You can see this. We see Lakers' fourth toughest strength of schedule. If we look at games where they have a rest advantage, they are fourth lowest. They're not playing too many games where like they've had a chance to rest and the other team's coming off the back-to-back. When we look at games with a rest disadvantage, they are sixth highest. So that's not good. And so that that can be concerning for sure. As we go into the Lakers-specific calendar and try to break things down, we can see here on this app, there's a lot of cool stuff. You know, so in the strength of schedule, they look at who you're playing, the rest advantage and disadvantage, You know how far are you traveling? We can see here the Lakers on the season, they have to travel 43,000 miles, which ranks, uh, what is this, third, sixth, ninth in the NBA. They look at back-to-backs. They look at all these different things. They look at elevation. We can even take a look and see which games, okay, against Denver, yeah, high altitude. That can be problematic. That factors into this. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening with this. And when we look at the first one, so LA started 2-10 and last year. If we look at the first 12 games, uh, which would be, let's see, three, six. And six of the first nine are on the road, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. It is going to be a tough opening dozen games. Here's the first dozen. They've got six at home, six away, one rest advantage, two rest disadvantages. They'll be fifth in miles traveled. And they've got some tough games on here, man. They start with Denver, Phoenix, and Sacramento. Those are not easy teams. Orlando, they do get. That's a back-to-back for the Lakers, unfortunately. They get the Clippers uh, at home, but it's the Clippers, so they're not traveling anywhere. Again, you get Orlando, but then Miami, you get Phoenix again. Memphis will be without job, but you get Sacramento again. So there are some challenging ones in here. And if we look at this 0.540 strength of schedule, if this were its own month of the year, it would be the hardest full month of games for the Lakers this season. This is going to be wow. just about as tough a stretch as they're going to see. And it, oh, you got to play the champs. You got to play Phoenix. You got to play Sacramento twice. You've got a couple back-to-backs. Like th- there are, you know, it's not going to be, you can't ease into things. So this team has to be ready to go. In terms of what that means, I want to see in preseason games us actually run a real rotation. It can't be we don't see LeBron and AD until, you know, three, four games in. You got to be ready to hit the ground running or you're going to get punched in the face. Now, do they go two and ten? Probably not. This is, I will note, this is a slightly harder strength of schedule than last season's first 12 games. But I do think this team is better. And I don't think they're going to go... Two and ten. I don't think they're going to go ten and two. I wouldn't be surprised if getting out of the gate, LA is in an okay spot, but not quite. You know, we're trash talking on Twitter level. And if they are, because they're way up there in the standings, it's because they've earned it. Yeah, and I look at these miles traveled, and I'm just just kind of in my head. They they, they play extra quote unquote home games in Los Angeles, right? With so less miles traveled. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they still have one of the more higher miles traveled uh, in the league. So, you know, they're going to go on a couple six game road trips. As, you know, they usually do that Grammy trip for a while. But especially toward the end of March and the month of March there where the road trips are coming, there's really tough stretches that you want to have some kind of padding there. So 
I feel like, I don't know, incorporating new people into the team or, you know, all of that in the month of March is going to be really tough. And, uh, and as you look at that month, Tim, as, as I did when we were talking, if you take it into the last few days of February, they're going to have Phoenix, the Clippers, Wizards, which, okay, that's fine. Denver, OKC, it's going to be good, I think, next year. I think they're going to be good. Uh, Sacramento, Milwaukee, Minnesota is one of the easier teams on this. Sacramento, again, Golden State. Okay, you get a little bit of a lighter one with Atlanta. Then you go to Philly, or Philly in LA. Then you get the Pacers and Milwaukee. Like, that's a tough stretch over about a month of real time. And they're not going to be able to, you know, to go five and 10 in that month. They're going to have to kind of built themselves up a little bit of wiggle room there. So I mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that I don't remember them having a stretch like this, but I also don't remember diving into the schedule quite this deep before before the season. Yeah, it certainly looks challenging. And they do have a number of, you know, home games in there, but things don't let up. You go from the end of March into April, you've got starting with Milwaukee, away, away at Memphis, away at Indiana, away at Brooklyn into April, away at Toronto, away at Washington. Six away games in a row is the longest. It's tied for the longest road stretch, road trip of the season with, uh, at the end of January into February, we've got starting with Golden State, away there, away at Houston, at Atlanta, at Boston, at the Knicks, at Charlotte. So six games each time. The strength of schedule for this January to February six games is it grades out tougher than the, the end of March one, but they both grade out as really damn tough. Uh, it's it's hard to win that many games on the road. So you need to be in a good spot as we think about like the all-star break here in the middle of February. If you are getting new pieces, you've got to again start out with Golden State. The, the Spurs will be easier, but then Phoenix – the Clippers, Washington's not too bad. And then right into that March schedule you were just talking about. So it, uh, you know, it might be a year to try to be a little bit more consistent with the roster. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. There are a lot of tough teams in this, in this league. There aren't too many rollovers. I don't yep. think we're going to have a Wemby sweepstakes where five, six teams are just punting the year. It's going to be challenging. And there are a lot of tough months. The ones that grade out the toughest are, uh, let's see here. So October's four games grade out is really difficult. Denver, Phoenix, Sacramento, Orlando, and Orlando's on a back-to-back. Yep. The hardest full month of the schedule, though, is February. And hmm. part of the reasons for that are you've got four back-to-backs. You've got Boston, Phoenix, Golden State, the Clippers, Utah, and the Knicks all away. And then at home, you've got Denver. You have to play the Pelicans and the Wizards, both on the second half of back-to-backs. So th- there are some challenging ones in there. But, uh, I mean, I feel like at this point, we've covered just about every month. Are there any parts of the schedule you see that might be a little bit softer, where it's more of a time to maybe rest and recuperate, uh, rest guys, get you know, try some new stuff out? Like, wh- what are things looking like there from your eyes? It looks like... Just after or around the midseason tournament, they might have a chance to pick up some wins, pick up some rest. So, you know, I'm looking like kind of toward the end of November uh, into December. 
They've got a stretch where they're playing, you know, yes, they have a four game road trip, Cleveland, Philly, Detroit, OKC. You got Detroit, OKC, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio twice, New York, Chicago, Minnesota, OKC, and then Boston on Christmas. So that stretch right there, most of those are on the road. So that's another, you got a four game stretch, one game at home, three away, one game at home, three more away, Boston on Christmas. So it's a tough ask, but hopefully they, they just don't have time to get acclimated and they're going to have, you know, those extra games that aren't scheduled for the midseason tournament there. There's a big stretch between the second and the 12th, but those will be filled in once the midseason tournament's kind of figured out kind of a weird court there too. Uh, but that to me is going to be the stretch where they're going to need to like weather the storm for, you know, eight weeks without injury. I mean, this team is fairly deep, but without injury to AD or LeBron, if they can get through that, I, you know, I think January you can start to kind of give your guys more time to rest, give your guys more uh, availability to, you know, try new things as well. See where you're at with adjustments and, and the lineup. Yeah. It's uh, looking like Dan- mid-December is going to be when uh, Tim will be going to games. <laughs> we got <laughs> Dallas on the road, Spurs, and then Spurs, three games in four days. It's a lot of games, but it's not a whole lot of travel because yeah. it's just all right here in Texas. And Texas is large, but we can get from Dallas to San Antonio in five hours drive, so not not far to, to fly. So not too bad there. It, but yeah, no, man, it, just looking at these months, there's, there's not a whole lot of let-up. January does look like one of the easier months. It is the easiest month from a strength of schedule standpoint. You'll see here 10 of the 15 games are at home. The Lakers will be 26th in miles traveled of the 30 teams for the month of January. One of their five away games is at the Clippers, which certainly helps. So this could be a time to, you know, you still have a lot of games. It's not like you you don't have games, but, you know, it's basically a game every other day this whole month, which is Whew, that's going to be fun from a content standpoint, from a playing standpoint, even though it's easy, that's going to be a grind. Uh, one thing about March, I do want to call out, and you called out some of the tough opponents. It Something that will help the team is that nine of the 14 games are at home. The team will rank 29th in miles traveled among all teams. And this is the only month of the year where the Lakers actually have more rest advantage games the rest disadvantage games. They have three to their advantage, okay. one disadvantage, and they only have one back-to-back, and it's Milwaukee-Memphis. So some tough teams in here, but from a like scheduled win, scheduled losses standpoint, it's that that helps alleviate a little bit of the concern, I'd say. Yeah, it's probably not gonna see the same uh, you know rabid wins counting march to the finish as we did last year uh it's a little special circumstance there but it's still going to be you know important for this team to to pick up wins wherever they can because yeah going in toward that end of season you know they're gonna have they're gonna have to to ramp up just on their own right to get in playoff shape and you know figure out their seating as well because i don't expect them to be in the play-in uh, conversation again, but you know, you never know if you, uh, if you start slow again, this is the kind of ways that you can, it's hard to dig yourself out. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And if they are in good shape by March, you'll see these games are a little bit more spaced out. There are two, three games in between two, three days in between games. If you do rest LeBron for a game, he's going to end up getting three, four five days off. So 
you could be strategic about playing some of the weaker teams and giving yourself a break. Hey, maybe another team's super injured and and that you know makes it easier to rest a guy. Or you're in just a good enough spot in the standings where it doesn't matter as much. But post-All-Star break, I, I think that month of March, you still want to be doing well, but you might have some time, you know, even though there's some tough opponents in there to to rest guys a little bit, where it's like January, super hectic, November, super hectic, December is a little bit more laid back just from a like volume of games game standpoint, February, of course, with the all-star break. So there's, you know, alternating months of <laughs> there's a lot going on. This is a grind and like, hey, we can, you know, take a break a little bit, which is nice. And then as we get to the end of the season, and we look at how the team will be closing things out in April. I guess the last, last five games of the year, you've got Cleveland at home. That's a good team. Minnesota at home. That may be a good team. Golden State at home. That'll be a good team. Memphis on the road. Job will be back, uh, presumably. That'll be a tough game. And then New Orleans on the road, uh, which hopefully is a nice blowout win, but could be teams <laughs> resting guys. May not matter at yeah. all. So th- it's not like you were able to cakewalk through the end of the season, but hopefully the team's in a good enough spot with the standings that they aren't needing to, you know, really be going in sixth gear, trying to finish things out like they were these, these past couple seasons with the play-in. Yeah, geez, they have seven games in 11 from the 24th of March to the 3rd of April. That's So probably by then I would see, you know, if they're going to start resting some guys, you're going to have a more better idea of the standings uh, with just those last four game, five games, uh, starting with Cleveland. You might see a little bit more, unless they're jockeying for some kind of home court. Mm-hmm. Those that yeah. could be kind of that that line where they start to to rest guys and stagger them a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Something that's interesting to me, I, I pulled in each of the months and like where the team ranked in you know, miles traveled and their home and away games. They, for the like full months of games, so not including October where they only play a couple games, not including April where they only play a couple games. In November, they rank second in miles traveled in December 1st. So those first two full months of the year, they're all over the place. But then January, February, March, they rank 26th, 12th, and 29th. So from a like wear and tear standpoint, that could potentially be helpful. I like that it's, Front loaded more than back loaded from a travel standpoint. Uh, I, do, do you have a preference? Like, if you had to travel more in the beginning of the year, or the end of the year, do you think you have a preference there? Yeah, definitely. Toward the back, I agree with you there. Especially having you know two injury prone superstars. Um, hopefully, they're a little bit more rested with the the strain that's put on with traveling and you know different time zones, adjusting your body. I'll get them. I sorry, get them out of November, like early December, and I'll feel really good about this team. But we know it's mm-hmm. a it's a long season, so they'll need to stay healthy throughout. But definitely would rather have it a little more structured like it is now. So thanks, NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. And speaking of thanking the NBA, like again, this team is not ranking highly when it comes to having rest advantages over other teams. They're ranking very highly in a bad way when it comes to having rest disadvantages over other teams. Now, they also are tied for the most back-to-backs of any team in the league, though it's you know from 13 to 15, so there's not a huge difference there. But they're not positioned in a great way in terms of 
having rest advantage. So that's that's an annoying thing. I actually wonder who some of the teams are that that end up a little bit uh, in better position there. Looking more broadly, Indiana is going to travel the least. The Clippers are going to travel the most of all teams. Brooklyn traveling a lot. Denver traveling a lot. Minnesota a lot. Sacramento a lot. Toronto not as interesting. Toronto's not traveling on them. Okay. I guess they're, yeah, they're in a different country, but it's, they're, they're geographically in a place that I guess kind of makes some sense. Detroit, Milwaukee. So a lot of those Midwest teams are yeah. needing to travel as much to get to each other. Yeah. The coast aspect, you know, mm-hmm. even though they only play the East teams once or, uh, you know, out there still adds up, you know? Yeah. So here's a, this is an interesting thing. Looking at the hardest and the easiest games of the season. And again, the, the like strength of the teams piece here will will differ. But if we look at the toughest games of the year, we've got at dis, at Denver in October. So wait, that's the first game of the year. This is the first game of the year. Is the toughest game of the year? Yeah, that's funny. Okay, interesting. If you win that one, you got to feel pretty good. Uh, I mean, they'll take it. At, yeah. Yeah. At, so at Den, so at the high, at the the toughest team and high altitude, I guess that makes sense as as a challenging one. We've got at Milwaukee in March, at the towards the end of March, at Boston beginning of February, at Phoenix both at towards the end of February and in November. Memphis, you get them later in the year. Actually, I wonder if they've got like the jaw suspension built into this. That'd be funny. Um, that Memphis game, they're going to be a tougher team in March than they would be in November at Cleveland, at Golden State a couple times, Philly, OKC. I wonder what the toughest uh, home game is. Okay, yeah, Denver twice, Milwaukee, Boston. Okay, so it's interesting to see these things. I wonder who the easiest game of the year is. Home against Detroit. Home <laughs> against the Spurs. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, this yep. is a cool app. Yeah. I put it in in the chat if people want to go play with it uh, yourself. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a good place to leave it for now, Tim. We've got a lot more to talk about this coming week. Tomorrow we're going to do a 2008 first round game two Lakers Nuggets free watch. Uh, Kobe goes off for 49 and 10 in that one. It's to see a classic uh, Kobe versus Carmelo and Allen Iverson goes off in that game as well, if I recall. So that'll be a fun one, kind of a late addition to Mamba Day. And then on Thursday, uh, we are going to talk about the biggest threats in the West uh, to the Lakers. So this schedule, you know, conversation will help us kind of, you know, in in framing that, I think, and and how the, we can expect the team to to go throughout the season and who can be, you know, positioned to be in a better place than the Lakers. And uh, just a couple of quick things, you know, we know we've been going a lot, a lot of content this summer for everybody. We're going to up it for this next season. So the plan as of right now is we're going to try and stream all the games, you know, uh, at least uh, for now, that's the plan. We're going to try to update the, the Twitter, the Instagram. So go follow us on there. And especially if you want to get in our discord now, we're changing the rules. Okay. It's our rules to change. So screenshot a subscription to the, uh, Lakers exceptionalism YouTube, and I'm going to drop a link to that right now in the chat. Uh, it's our handles just at Lakers exceptionalism. You can search Lakers exceptionalism as well. If you just screenshot that you sub to us, that'll be your new pathway into the Discord. Uh, and thank you for 
for joining us in the Discord, everyone. We're also working on giving you more content for for the Discord tiers of uh, you know the different the different levels. The I'm sorry, I forget the names, but you you, you know what I'm talking about, Tim. <laughs> yep, uh, yep. We're, we're, yeah, we're dude. still working on it uh, specifics, but we're definitely going to bring you more stuff uh, this season. We're going to have some film room sessions on a weekly basis, more, much more bonus pod content, extra videos, a whole bunch of good stuff. A lot of it is going to have to do with playback, like playback.tv slash Lakers watch party and that YouTube. So go follow us on both of those. We're going to have a lot of good stuff cooking with each jump in the discord. Like Tom said, just send us a, that you've subscribed to the Lakers exceptionalism YouTube account that really, really helps us out as we're trying to grow and get the word out to other people and sustain what we're doing here. And want to shout out some of the folks in the different tiers, Court Prowse and TJ Timotaji in the arena sponsorship tier, Zach Harris, Q Daddio, iPod Shuffle, Miguel, T Shuttleworth, Omar, Roy, Abdulrahman, Kino Mason, Doppel Romario in the owner's box, as well as the folks in the courtside and lower bowl tiers. They're getting great content. You're going to get even more coming up this, this next season. So jump in there, continue the conversation with us. And uh, yeah, keep an eye out. We'll be, we'll be back Tuesday. We'll be back Thursday. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to the season. Yeah, man. I think we're 39 days until that first preseason game. So I'm sure even more news will start to trickle out as we get closer to training camp. But once again, thanks, everybody. We're really excited about the upcoming season. Go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube and get in our Discord. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to start posting these to this Lakers Exceptionalism YouTube, this full playback streams the next day. So if you can't catch them all, we got you. We're going to do as much as we can and uh, give you, you know, no reason not to experience at least some of our good good stuff. Yeah. And, and before we hop off, speaking of good stuff, if you're listening to this on the podcast right now, you did not see the video that Tom played at the Correct. beginning of this stream, which was phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, like really, really good stuff. Really, really cool. Austin Reeves video. That'll be up on YouTube by the time you're listening to this, I believe. And uh, that would be a great, you know, first way to watch that video. Subscribe on the YouTube. And uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up ahead. But man, dude, knocked it out of the park with that video. Really, really good stuff. It's been so much fun to watch him play <laughs> on that team. And yeah, really cool to see all the, the the audio and the pundits and the game film and the Reeves interviews and all that stuff uh, cut together. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, we're gonna I'm gonna try and schedule that for 10 a.m. PST. Uh, hopefully, when most people are you know, able to watch it. So, you know, hit that bell for uh, notifications and you'll get notified. So thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to y'all next time. story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes 
ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.